Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Solace in the City. Today, I am extremely excited to be catching up with my friend from high school, Jordan Bonner, who shared the amazing St. Andrews experience that I had, and I'm really, really excited to be having this conversation um, with you, Jordan, especially right now. So why don't, for just some background information, I obviously know a little bit about you, but if you could just tell me about yourself, where are you from, how old are you, where did you go to school after St. Andrews, what do you study, et cetera. Yeah. Um, so first and foremost, thank you, Zoe, for um, inviting me uh, to participate and to have this conversation, especially during this time. I think it's really important. Um, and yeah, uh, like you mentioned, my name is Jordan. I'm from Houston, Texas. I'm 23 years old. Uh, after St. Andrews, I went to Wesleyan University in Middletown, Connecticut, where I studied psychology and also was um, played on the men's basketball team there. Um, and then now I'm currently a graduate student at the University of Cambridge in England. Um, although I'm not studying there right now, you know, like <laughs> in England, but I'm back home, but, uh, you know, still working on my thesis. And uh, yeah, I mean, I've always gone back to, you know, what I've, uh, my passion and what I've studied. Um, psychology has always been something I've been interested in um, because I think it plays an important role in how um, we are on a daily, on a day-to-day -day basis, you know, in terms of how we respond, our thought process, our behaviors. I think this is especially true for, for students. Um, when I was at Wesleyan, I just kind of focused more broadly on psychology, um, but then going to Cambridge. I studied uh, psychology and education. I think it's important to mention that um, because uh, how we learn and incorporate information is directly influenced by psychology and whether we're aware of it or not. And educational psychology, edu educational psychology just to give some people some context, is a study how, of how humans learn in educational settings um, and like the effectiveness of different educational interventions, et cetera. And so for me, I'm personally interested and creating equitable educational opportunities and outcomes for children of color who are interested in uh, interested in attending college or if college is not necessarily that route, making sure that they have the skills to be, you know, uh, career ready. So yeah, yeah. a little bit about me, my interest. Yeah. That's so interesting. And one thing I, I was literally just talking about with my friend before is how I mean, maybe it's changed now, but you know how there was always, like, the joke of, like, oh, a psych major, like, blah, blah, blah. But now more than ever, it's, like, psychology is literally the, applies to everything we do, applies to, like, how we perceive ourselves, how we perceive others. It gives us so much um, self-awareness and awareness of others. It, it's just insane to me to think, like, why isn't this something that we're taught in, like, fifth grade? Like, why are we studying geometry, but we don't have classes on how to literally have a relationship with a, you know, a partner, with a, like, a manager? It's just crazy to me that this isn't incorporated in, like, un in education in general, and it's something that I really wish I actually got a you know legitimate class or degree in it right. if I go in the past advantage of it. yeah yeah I definitely agree with you um 
I know for me personally, uh, you know, with psychology, um, specifically, you know, speaking about issues that are important to us, so things that are, you know, how we're perceiving situations um, as a black male, that's something that I've just was never taught. You yeah. Know? Um, it's kind of socialized from an early age to not, you know, not to cry and not to really speak about, you know, how things were affecting me. And uh, it's just interesting to see how that's kind of manifested um, as I've gotten older and uh, kind of affected the relationships that I've, that I've had. So, yeah, I agree with you. Um, and I guess I was fortunate to take advantage of that opportunity. But For sure. you know, I'll, I'll partake some uh, or impart some wisdom on you. Uh, Please do. Yeah. I think so. Some people have talked to, got interested in psychology um, because they were struggling with their own mental health. Um, others, you know, saw family members struggling with mental health and thus wanted to get into the field. So I was wondering if you ever had like battles with you know, um, your mental health, mental well-being or anything like that, um, either prior to choosing your major or after choosing your major? Yeah. Um, it happened after I choose my, uh, chose my major. Um, it was my sophomore year in college. I was battling, um, you know, depression. And it's even weird saying it because uh, of how stigmatized it is in the Black community, especially. And as a male, um, like I said earlier, taught not to really express our feelings and, th and how things are affecting us. And um, yeah, one of my friends uh, encouraged me to go uh, speak to one of the school therapists. And, and I did, and I was definitely hesitant uh, going into that conversation. I was like, what am I supposed to talk about? I don't want them psychoanalyzing me. Like, but what I'll tell you is that it's probably one of the best decisions that I've made in my life um, because just kind of forced me to be um, introspective and to reflect on my experiences and not be afraid to kind of just tell it how it is. You know, I think for, for so long, I was scared to, um, to say certain things because then it made it real, you know? And mm -hmm. when I said, when I was, you know, in those conversations with the therapist, when I said it out loud, I was like, wow, like that really did happen, Jordan. And like that affects how you interact with women. That's, that affects how you, you know, uh, your friendships and all of this stuff. And I was like, dang, like, I didn't think about that. And I think, you know, moving forward, it's helped me a lot. Um, when I talk to people, um, I'm just more transparent. I just kind of tell it how it is, um, regardless of how people are gonna, you know, interpret it or take it. Um, I feel like I owe that to myself to to be real, and um, and yeah, not to be uh, as scared as I was before. That makes sense. Yeah, definitely. I think a lot of people, or at least a lot of my friends, um, are a little bit not scared necessarily, but like worried about the fact that going to therapy would force them to confront things and, or like dig so deep into their past. That's, it's almost like 
opening the lid of a bucket that's so full that it's like too much and they'd rather just keep that lid shut which I get and that's why it's like takes a really strong person who's willing to you know make that effort and open that lid and let those feelings come through and I feel like because I've been in therapy for so long I've it's been incremental so it hasn't been as much of an adjustment but I recently started doing family therapy and that was like oh man <laughs> like wow there's a lot to unpack so it, it's you have like a really great friend I mean I don't know who that is but for you know bringing for suggesting that you you seek those services especially in college where it's like one of the rare times that it's mm-hmm. free which is another you know conversation but um what did you feel like you built any tools that have helped you going forward and you know especially in the past few weeks um with everything that's going on Hmm. i think one thing i'll i'll say um I don't know if it's been like a lesson learned, but maybe just, yeah, I guess, like you said, a skill that I built uh, was that I guess I'm more intentional about what I say before I say, because I know the power that words have. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think I think this has been particularly important during this time. when you have the pandemic kind of coupled with the killing of, um, of you know, these black individuals, Breonna Taylor, Ahmaud Arbery, George Floyd, um, that you need to be mindful of how, of how you express how you're, how you're feeling, you know? Um, and it's kind of taught me, I guess those, you know, the times when I was in therapy that it's okay to feel the way that you feel, you know, mm-hmm. um, and to really allow yourself to internalize the pain and the hurt and not just kind of turn a blind eye to it. Um, so I think, yeah, um, yeah, my times in therapy, I think, you know, it's definitely helped me um, during, during this time for sure. Yeah. It's interesting that, I mean, I, I never put, I obviously put the two and two together of everything that happened and, the, and COVID resulting in like other things. I think people are, were so you know, cooped up that this is just like ignited this energy and something that may not have, you know, been triggered if it weren't for a global pandemic happening. But I think on the flip side, we are socially isolated and being forced to just feel all of the feelings and really process the emotions, which is is overwhelming in general. And it's especially overwhelming when you know, I'm, you're stuck in a New York City apartment and you're stuck, like, by yourself without your, your best friends to sit down with and and just 
I don't know. It's 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 definitely it's definitely unique, but I also hope that and I keep seeing things that are like you know, maybe 2020 isn't canceled. Like maybe this is like this like pandemic has incited us in seeing something as like we need to change. Mm-hmm. At least I hope. Yeah, no, I agree. Um, and this is where I'll bring in the psychology uh, yeah, I mentioned earlier. Please do. Um, and so, I, like I said, uh, I don't know if you've heard of this terminology before, but it's called cognitive dissonance. And essentially what it is, is that it refers to a situation um, involving kind of conflicting attitudes, beliefs, um, or behaviors. And as humans, you know, we are motivated to have cognitive consistency. We want things to kind of line up. And when we feel any discomfort, we want desperately to alleviate that um, and and restore that balance. So for example, if somebody's an alcoholic and they know that when they drink excessively, which is the behavior, um, it can it can cause severe liver damage, which is the cognition, those, those thoughts, um, you are in a state of cognitive dissonance because you know that drinking excessively can lead to this, but you still may do it anyways. Or you, or, you know, you may, you may have different reasons why you, why you uh, decide to drink, but. Yeah, for an example. Still, that's still, you know, just for an example. Um, and so when you're faced with a pandemic, for most of us, you know, this is our first go around with this. Um, what are you Hope doing? <laughs> yeah, I know, I know, right? <laughs> um, what are you doing to alleviate those feelings of discomfort, especially when you can't turn to what you have traditionally done? You know, I know for myself, it's always been basketball. You know, St. Andrews at Wesleyan, I knew I had a space where I can go and kind of find solace and, and peace. But, you know, they took the rims away at every park, so I can't really go there. But, Anyways, in all seriousness, in all seriousness, um, are there, I, get, I think this is where things get interesting because um, you have some people who have turned to, you know, binge watching Netflix shows or, you know, working in working more hours at work, and um, some have been silent, some have protested, some have looted, uh, turned to social media, etc. Everybody has a different response because we all um, have internalized this. Um, you know, uh, differently. Um, but I think for me, my question is, is how you're kind of grappling with those feelings, not necessarily like what you're doing, but how you're doing it, you know, like, are you resolving that dissonance because the challenges of kind of changing your attitudes, your bias and beliefs, it's too great. So you, you're, it would, you just more comfortable. If, it would be more comfortable for, if you just wait, you know, wait this whole protest thing out. Or are you acquiring new information, educating yourself, leaning into, you know, the discomfort and being vulnerable, um, even if it means that you'll get hurt, even if it means you'll face criticism. Mm-hmm. Um, or if you are the one dealing, like, you know, dealing with the pain because you feel the injustice, how are you being intentional with your steps moving forward? So I guess for me, just to kind of 
make this make sense is that we all have these discomforts, right? When so, so these situations happening, I mean, these situations happen, but it's about, like I said, being intentional about what, you know, what you're doing to, um, what actions you're, you're, you're you know, you're uh, taking moving forward. Um, I don't know. Does that make sense? Yeah, that's so interesting. And like, I feel like I've heard that phrase cognitive dissonance thrown around and without ever actually knowing what it meant. But mm-hmm. it's, you. It, that makes a lot of sense thinking of like, okay, people who, you know, post a lot on social media in general, maybe that's what they're using as their outlet to show what they're feeling about this or like, That's really the only example I can think of because I use social media yeah. a lot. But it is <laughs> but still and I think that kind of ties into a question that a lot of people are asking, especially when there is such a I don't know the exact word, but dissonance isn't the right word, but for some reason I keep thinking it. But like of like what does race reconciliation look like when neither like people either are like struggling to know what to say and how to say it but also these conversations are I think necessary or if like at least I don't know I mean I can only speak from my experience as like a white privileged woman who was lucky enough to like be like I don't know I I I think I have a good understanding or like a relatively good understanding of the like you know the importance of diversity and the importance of growing up with various perspectives but still like to quote like Socrates like all I know is that I really know nothing and mm-hmm. it for me I think a, a lot of what I've been wondering or like the biggest question I've been facing is like how do I share something whether it be on social media or you know now that I have a like platform with this podcast without falling into that category of white saviorism because I think that's this is not my story to tell essentially and I was wondering what your thoughts on like that were I'm hearing you correctly. So you're saying, like, how can you not kind of fall into the trap of being, like, labeled a white, like, savior, but still, like, maybe just say that one more time. Let me, so I'm interpreting what you're saying correctly. Yeah, I guess the the easiest example to give is, like, again, with social media. I mm-hmm. I was thinking about this yesterday, and I was thinking about what I was posting, and you know, originally I was just like, whether it be like the black square or like, mm-hmm. like things to show that I fully support the Black Lives Matter movement and, and like everything going on and that I'm in solidarity with the black community and like fully, I want to do anything I can to unlearn everything that's incorrect in my past and relearn everything from a different perspective. But then I took a step back and I'm like, okay, think of who follows me 
like I went to a school that was very liberal. Everyone, prob- like all my white friends, for the most part, have the same thought process of me. And this isn't helping any of my friends who, you know, identify as like people of color because it's a different ta- conversation. I'm like, I'm all, it's like, who am I really talking to? Like, I only want to post things that, you know, were links to um, defund Bill de Blasio's, like an, an email that just like quickly, if you click on it, writes a whole email t- to Bill de Blasio and the rest of like a New York City councilman to reallocate the funds from the police department towards um, like education and et cetera. So like, I was like, that's useful. And hopefully, you know, someone, other like person living in the city who's think like didn't know how to do that. Like, hopefully, that helps someone. But at the same time, I'm like, okay, I have this podcast. What can I like? What can I do to like give a voice to someone without? It being like, oh, look at me. Here's me giving the voice to someone. Does that make right. sense? Yeah, I mean, it, it goes back to your intentions, and only you know that. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Um, and that's why I've been sort of skeptical of. So, like, take a step back. Last week, and even some, and even you know, going into this week, I received so many text messages from my white friends. You know, Jordan. How are you? Um, you know, standing in solidarity with you in the black community, um, thinking about you, all of that. I'm like, all right, that's cool. <laughs> but like, but now what? Yeah. Like, like what really, are you doing? Like, are you, what are you, what are you doing? You know? And I've just, I've been very frank with people um, and I send them resources. I'm like, I'm not interested in having a conversation until you go and educate yourself. And I think it's important that we kind of understand that this is a continuum. This process to being an anti-racist, it's not just like you wake up and, oh, yeah, like I read some books and I have this podcast now and I'm doing this and like, oh, yeah, like I'm woke. I'm there. Like, because you'll never really understand what the experience is. You'll never be able, you can empathize, but like the amount of times I've walked into a store and it's just been followed because I'm black and I'm six, three. And like, you know, so I'm <laughs> to be intimidated, but still, you know, like I joke about it, but that, that stuff but is it's real. True. It's yeah. real. And I know other people have similar, not the same, you know, similar stories. Um, but yeah, so that's, I mean, for me, I just, I, I struggle with this a lot. Because I just want to really see where people are at. Like, is this just convenient right now? And we're just kind of reacting because it's so in your face, which is crazy to to think that it took this when it's like, there've been so many other instances. Like, yep, this was just filmed. This particular situation, you know what I mean? So it's like, like, why now? And are you really about it? Like, are you, or are you just saying this to me? And I've had to take inventory, you know, mm-hmm. of people who 
say that they are, you know, for me, but are you really with me? Right? Yeah. Um, I think that's what's been important. Um, and I can, I can gauge it very, fairly quickly uh, from those conversations where people are at. Um, and I think for me, you would have asked me last week when I was like still trying to process what was going on. I was very much like in like the kumbaya kind of stage. I'm like, all right, I don't want to create further divide between the black and white community. Like I want to call everybody in. And then <laughs> I can talk about these experiences a little later, but some things happened and I'm like, I'm, I'm struggling right now, Zoe, to like not just go off and really just like still, I don't know. I guess what I'm trying to say is that I've been more oh, cautious about and mindful about who I'm having conversations with, you know? Um, not to say that I'm completely like isolated myself and not open to having dialogue with people who don't necessarily look like me, but to tie in the sort of the mental health kind of aspect, like, I think like for me, like that's personally where I'm at, like in order to preserve and to make sure that like I am well, like not everybody is kind of getting my time right now. Yeah. Know? Oh yeah. Um, you know, because I'm, because I need to make sure that Like your mental energy is like being yeah. spent on things that are actually going like that on people who actually, I, I don't know. Cause I think a lot of it is like, it's not your responsibility to teach white people everything they've been doing wrong. And like, not only, not only like us, because you know, we're, I'm 24 years old. So this goes way, way, way back. Like this mm -hmm. is, so deeply rooted in just like how the United States was formed. So mm -hmm. it's so like on one hand, I guess I can like see people reaching out being like, I want to know, I want to learn. But like that takes a whole, so much emo like emotion from you that it's, it's not your responsibility to then like help someone else feel better who like I don't know if that made sense I might have just oh, kind of rambled yeah. no that makes sense that makes sense people have this sort of sense of like hopelessness and you know um they want to know what they can do you know and I don't want to be so super like super critical of that but I just want to, I kind of, but I do want to make sure that like when this pandemic is over and when the marches are not happening every day, like, do you still care? Yeah. Because this is a reality for me every day. It's almost like, and it's just, sorry, go ahead. Oh, I was just saying, it's like, it's almost like when, when there's no more hashtag of like the show must be paused, like, will, will you still be involved? Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. yeah. one thing I mean the, one I guess thing that's made 
that I've really, I don't know. I, I don't know. I don't know if, um, for some reason, this is something that's like stuck with me. And I was like, of all of the allies who have, you know, posted something or said something, this I think has been at least, I mean, obviously, I, I don't know, but like, because I'm not a part of the black community, I'm not a part of the LGBTQ community. But I think what's been really interesting and has given me hope is, you know, June is Pride Month. And usually it's focused on the specifically the LGBT community. And what I think is so interesting, and a lot of it's been focused on New York because that's where the riots, the Stonewall riots happened. And I, I've seen a lot of people in the LGBTQ community speaking up and being like, listen, if it weren't for like the black members of our community who like participate in those riots, like we wouldn't be able to get married right now. Like we wouldn't have any of our rights. So I think seeing like that is just so much more powerful than seeing like the CEO of a company who who's, you know, white and has a all of their I'm forgetting the word employees are also you know white talking about how to approach this because it's like it's it it shouldn't be just something that a company posts to save face it should be something gent like what are you doing besides posting on LinkedIn that you stand in solidarity like that you support all of your employees um, who are black or like whatever. Let's see who's on your, you know, C-suite, like what percentage of them are people of color. And I think that's one thing that, I mean, this is a macro level, but I think it can almost be like a, a, um, like an analogy for like, what individuals are doing as well when they post on social media, like white individuals. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, no, I agree. And I don't think, I mean, this goes for, for black people as well, um, how we're using kind of social media. But to, to first, I mean, to address your first point, um, It's just, I, <laughs> I was trying to give a lot of people the benefit of the doubt, you know, because I think they, people do want to, maybe some people do want to, want to help, you know, um, mm-hmm. but a part of helping me and helping the black community is not just kind of saying that you want to help us, but like, like I said, like, you know, doing something and like, doing something let's just break that down like people think that it has to be this kind of momentous like act you know like you need to go and protest and go and do it like and like i do agree with that i'm not saying that you shouldn't right um but in your immediate sphere of influence like what are you doing to challenge sort of the implicit biases that you have you know why if you walk into a room you'll go sit with people who kind of look like you 
You know what I mean? Because then you you have these automatic assumptions that, hey, okay, maybe they think about me. Maybe we can more, maybe relate. And you don't even give yourself an opportunity to take that risk, to be uncomfortable, and to find some sort of common ground with somebody who may not look who may not look like you. So it's beyond just maybe getting more people into um, a building or getting more people into a corporation. You know, mm-hmm. um, like you said, that's the macro level. But individually, um, I think we're all charged to do that, to reflect. I have implicit biases about white people, about a lot of different groups of people, you know? Um, And I'm taking that time to do that because I think it's important, but, and I care about all people, but at the same time, I understand that the playing field is not equal, you know? So when I hear the rhetoric, all lives matter, and I'm going on a tangent right now, but when I hear the rhetoric, all lives matter. We we get that. All lives do matter. But Black lives do not kind of fit into that same, if you have like all lives matter as an umbrella, like there's Black lives are not valued the same as white lives. Yeah, I saw this. Um, I saw this post. I thought it was like a very good kind of like explanation of it. It's, and it was saying for like when when the Boston Marathon was bombed, I mean, you know, these are like all very generalizations, but like mm-hmm. whatever. And everyone was saying Boston's strong. People weren't being like, well, actually all cities are strong. And like when the lot like when the Las Vegas shooting happened, people were saying, like, stand with Vegas. No one was saying, Well, actually there was like someone shot in my city. Why aren't we saying like all stand with all cities? Or like you know, during breast cancer awareness month are people saying like, well, what about colon cancer? Like mm-hmm. it's, that's not the point. It's like when a certain community is being so overly targeted, like compared to other communities. And has been. And it has been. And like, it has, it's, it's like, yeah, it, it's like, so of course, all lives matter. Yeah. Yeah, it's like of course yeah, as you said like of course all lives matter but like when our constitution was built it was it was like freedom and justice for all like asterisk <laughs> like yeah, yeah. Oh, asterisk like oh it um like white males. But mm-hmm. that's the whole point is like I don't know. So that and I think this goes back um to good kind of jumping off point to being intentional, you know, just being intentional about what you're saying, how you're responding. Um, don't just do it because it's popular right now. Because we see through that, you know, or at least I do. Like, <laughs> and I, I want sincerity. Um, and if I can, and you know, if, if you care, then like yeah i don't know i don't know it's just uh kind of it's kind of frustrating i yeah i can't even i can't even imagine it and like i would love to know without like you know asking and going that's what i'm saying and asking like teach me what to say but i think one thing that we talked about when we were speaking like last week is, you know, what is the appropriate way to reach out? And 
kind of thinking about like making a parallel between after another school shooting and thinking like when people respond saying like thoughts and prayers are are not enough like what are we doing and instead of being like oh how are you checking in wanting to say if you're okay it's like you're only checking in because this has only been illuminated in these past few weeks like Mm -hmm. it's like instead of just saying like sorry this is happening be like sorry it took me so long to realize that this has always been happening Mm -hmm. and sorry for Mm -hmm. not acting sooner yep that's powerful and i think people need to understand that like sorry for not acting sooner for not taking action sooner you know they're not believing you you know when Mm -hmm. you explain to them like when you've explained to them your experience and invalidating it you know and it's okay like sorry it's not okay but Now what do we do? Yeah. What do we do? Um, people have to heal. Um, and it is going to take a concerted effort because um, we do need white voices. We don't need white voices to speak, like, you know, to kind of dominate the conversation, you know what I mean, and to kind of uh, to make things about them but yeah like I said we're gonna need a, a, a collective response and um I do think we're getting that I just want to make sure that people um are doing it for the right reasons yeah and I- um yeah and that's kind of it is hard to discern but um no, I think it's so interesting that you said we need white voices because it it reminds me of what Robin D'Angelo says where she gives that parallel of like back in the 1950s when um, women were trying to get rights to vote. It's like, okay, who doesn't have the right to vote? Women. Who wants the right to vote? Right to vote. Women. Who has the right to vote? Men white men and who has the power to give the the women the right to vote white men so it's like that's kind of where it comes it's like the I don't know I thought that was just like an interesting way to look at it I mean granted there's so many nuances like you know black women weren't given the right to vote until like mm-hmm. many years later but just thinking about it like that that that's why we need I don't know I think that's what makes me think of like going out go out and vote and like we need leaders to help make these changes possible mm-hmm. and I think I don't know that's my little plug for like going out and using your voice or like using your existence to change make a change by you know adding it up that was not well said, but <laughs> no, I got you. I got you. Yeah. Um, yeah. I guess what advice would you give 
to young men and women of color, but specifically men, because I think there is just mental health is so stigmatized um, in the male community, specifically, I I imagine the black male community. Like, what advice would you give on how to take care of yourself at this time? Yeah, I mean, I think my advice is it, it relates to both men and women. I don't want to uh, discriminate in that way um, because I think it's been difficult for uh, all Black people holistically. Um, when I've talked to a lot of my friends, a majority of them are like, Jordan, I really don't like have the words to kind of express how I'm feeling. And so like the traditional kind of mediums or means we would take to um to kind of speak like how do you speak when you don't really have you feel like you don't have a voice you know you can't you don't have the words to express it you know and so telling people that they need to go see if she goes you know speak to somebody go see a therapist i don't think like at this time like that's necessarily maybe the best i mean the best approach you know um but i would say that um, regardless, you have to protect, you do have to protect yourself and your mental, your, your mental health, because if you're not good, how can you be a catalyst of change? You know, like I said, in your, in your immediate sphere of influence, um, and being mindful of who you are having those conversations with, you know, that you're not necessarily in a place, um, To, I don't want to promote like not talking to white people, you know what I mean? But I also don't want your response when you speak to them to be solely based off of your anger and frustration, you know? And so you have to recognize where you are. You know, maybe right now, like you just need some time to, to just sit with it. And mm-hmm. to speak and to speak to people who you know that you can trust, um, where you may not necessarily have to explain yourself. Um, but I don't know. I feel like that process looks different for everybody. Everybody's at a different stage right now. But um, I definitely wouldn't, you know, prescribe holding it in. Um, I did that for a while, and. Uh, I think that that could lead to sort of some adverse thoughts and adverse, you know, actions, i.e. like depression, you know what I mean? So um, that's not what I'm suggesting, but you do have to guard your mind because it's connected to your heart. Mm -hmm. Um, And white people, (laughs) you got to be patient, you know? Like you want to come in and swoop in and like, you know, like that, that's not going to uh, necessarily fly, fly well, <laughs> you know, I think that you need to understand those who do have, you know, black friends that, hey, my, this, my friend is hurting, you know, they're hurting. Um, 
what I can do to help them during this time beyond just my words is let me let me read this let me read this book let me let me reflect on and do some self interrogation about how I perceive people um because I think people will will appreciate that you know when it's time to have those dialogues um can't force people to have those conversations when they're not ready but um you know meet us meet us 50 50 or like give us give us something to work with you know not 50 50 but meet us you know Go give us something to work with you know yeah um i think that's also interesting to think about like because you know whether the re- like whether the intention is good or bad of like immediately reaching out to you and saying like how are you doing like maybe you know maybe they mean well but at the same time like reach out in like three months like mm-hmm. re- like that as you as like we talked a little bit about earlier like this shouldn't just be something that happens in like two weeks three weeks a month this should be something that like is at the utmost importance until there's actual change made. Mm-hmm. So, right. yeah, I think that's that is good advice, especially because I like now more than ever. I think mental health is just so important, and just really taking care of yourself because there's just so much going on, mm-hmm. and we need to take care of ourselves and each other. Um, in my last question, which is the name of the podcast, but I'm going to, or unless you have anything to add before I wrap up. Oh, no, I think that's it. I think we covered, um, a lot. I think, um, first I just want to thank you for, um, yeah, again, for inviting me to, uh, to speak about my experience, um, and to kind of, and to give some recommendations moving forward. Um, personally, uh, yeah, it's just uh, it's it's a lot, but uh, I do believe that racial reconciliation um, it will it will happen. Uh, if it doesn't happen here on earth, then I know for sure uh, when we get to heaven that, uh, that we will be together. But I don't think that we should use that as an excuse to just say, you know, wait, wait alone for another pandemic or for, you know, somebody else to get killed to do to do something. You know what I mean? Yeah. So um, I am hopeful for uh, the future. I think that um, that we've given some people some things to think about as they move forward and um yeah my prayer is that you know this doesn't stop with uh with with one conversation um that we continue to kind of push the needle forward um in our own lives and uh yeah yeah no that was beautiful i'm like I mean, I'm just so thankful of you taking the time and the emotional energy be- to speak with me and 
I'm just forever grateful for this conversation and I really hope that I continue having conversations similar. Mm-hmm. Um, but I did want to ask my last question, which is just, oh, yeah. <laughs> how, are you, how are you finding solace right now? Yeah, I think I'm finding solace um, by then it's looked a little different. You know, like I said earlier, I haven't had necessarily basketball or like the normal things to kind of <laughs> kind of turn to. But I think it's been good in a way because I've um, been kind of forced to address some of the hurt um, that I have kind of accumulated over the past, but also to respond um, by bringing people in. I think I have a good soundboard and, you know, people around me um, who are supportive. And it doesn't just look like, you know, just like, black, you know, I just have black people around me. I have white friends and people who are close to me. And so with that, you know, um, kind of leaning into that support system uh, to kind of help me get through this time. And then most importantly, um, I would say my relationship with God, uh, my faith is really important to me. And uh, at sometimes it, at some, at, Times it has been difficult to to pray and do what I've normally done, but I know that um, that's where I get you know my peace. And um, so yeah, I think that's how I've been kind of finding solace. Um, what about you? Oh, flipping the switch. Um, yeah, it's definitely been different. I mean, I am an extrovert. I get my energy from other people. So usually my answer is through connecting, which I try to do with, you know, the podcast. It's definitely something that's super therapeutic and it gives me that chance to have those meaningful conversations, but from afar. Um, But aside from that, I'd say running because that's something that's been um, very spiritual for me these past couple of years. Um, it's like my, I don't know, my, not religion. It just, I, it's, I feel like my way of connecting with whether it be like feeling like I'm close, closer to Alex or just, I don't know, that runner's high is just really, I mean, we talked earlier and I was, you know, on a run. (laughs) It's, it's, I think my way of quickly escaping the craziness of the world and feeling some sense of normalcy despite having a sweaty mask on my head and um, trying to stay six feet away from everyone else. But yeah, <laughs> that's, that. thanks for asking me that question because I, I rarely chime in on my own two cents. But um, yeah, Jordan, thank you so much again for speaking with me. And like, I really feel grateful to have had this conversation and I really am hopeful of having conversations like this again and again and again and so yeah I I just was wondering like any last minute advice or like I don't know thoughts that you have on what you know any listeners regardless of race can can do and specifically white listeners Mm -hmm. well first I want to let you know that I'm so grateful that we've been able to reconnect and have this conversation. 
Uh, I think it's been really powerful, something I didn't expect kind of going into it, but um, it's been invaluable. And I think these are the type of conversations that we need to have, Mm -hmm. not only with ourselves, but other black people, with our white friends, with everyone. Like we need to continue to represent, you know, um, the sort of conversations that we have or didn't really have about racism and to address and to address it. Um, I think in terms of practical steps moving forward, I guess for the black people listening, uh, I would say to address the pain and hurt that you, that you know, that you have and that you're experiencing, but you know, maybe taking some time and you're in your own process, you know, in your own time to lay down some, you know, the validity of our pain to kind of see unity and reconciliation. I think if we are so caught up in, and not to delegitimize the pain at all, but I think it could prohibit us from leaning into into those conversations that we that we need to have. We need every we need everybody. We need um, if we want to see racial reconciliation. Then we need all we need all everybody's voice and input on this. Um, and then I guess for my for my white listeners, um, use your kind of privilege. Uh, use your privilege and your and your power and your like you know the privilege and your power to empower and to kind of cover the burden that other people kind of experience um, so that we all can um, even if they don't look like you you know um, using that that sort of that power that you 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 know you've inherited um, can't do anything about that but um, how you respond and how you and what you do with that platform that you do have, uh, I think, is powerful um, and can be powerful and used as a tool for good. So, um, yeah, I think those would be like kind of my closing thoughts. Um, a lot of what I'm saying towards the end uh, has kind of been inspired by. Uh, this guy that I look up to, Michael Todd, he's a pastor of a transformation church in Tulsa, Oklahoma. So if people ever had get a chance to uh, look at some of his uh, his talks, um, I think that would be really useful because um, he gives some practical steps on how we can move forward. Um, but yeah, um, we're in this together, you know, we're in this together and I believe we can do it. I believe we can do it. This is a good first step. And um, so I'm excited moving forward. And I'm hopeful moving forward. Me too. Oh, thanks again, Jordan. And bye, everyone. I hope you all enjoy this episode as much as I did recording it.